Hello and welcome to episode one, number 191, Armin Show Podcast, In the Place to Be. We have a guest. This is super cool because this individual was on the previous iteration of the uh, show called That Guy Named Armin. Who is our guest today? Hi, Armin. Uh, it's me again, Alan, the most boring man in the world. The most boring man in the world? Look, nobody's believing that, but we're going to go with that, okay? This is the most boring man in the world. It's Alan. No interesting features at all with this individual. He's just doing baseline stuff. Not, okay, but, so, Alan, glad to have you on the show. I want to jump into topics. That's what I do. First off, how would you describe yourself to individuals who were thinking, who is this individual? Well, I'm in constant danger of sliding down into a self-conscious shame spiral because mm-hmm. as I appear I'm like I just got to not care mm-hmm. and then I'll come off as cool and I'm like but why do you need to come off as cool I'm like just be vulnerable just say what you see and let yourself see what you see which I hope is just the truth there's so much to see that I might notice if I wasn't worried about how I appear. So I kind of got stuck there for a moment. And if you want me to tell you about me, well, <coughs> I guess I'd ask you just to solicit a little more explicitly so that I can lay it out there for you. Because otherwise, just me, I, I seem like a pretty boring topic to myself. Mm-hmm. Disagreement on this side, uh, but... So, explicitly, I guess, one of them, for the more structured individuals who are listeners, and why are you listening to this podcast? I have no idea. Joking, okay? That's cool. Uh, what is one of the, what is the thing that you do uh, when, you know, the what do you, do? why am I asking that question? That's a terrible question out there, listeners. What is that? But, what is it, what is the thing you are doing regularly in the category of, uh, service of some form to public entities I am only serving myself right now I'm performing no service for any charity or non-profit or public or private institution that exists for alleviating the suffering of the bereaved downtrodden impoverished mm-hmm. I'm only here right now serving myself and and doing my utmost to take care of my wife and, and to make sense of this life though I do want to qualify that by saying that service is actually a part of my life that feel is lacking and that I would like to participate in Mm -hmm. one thing that came to mind was for years I've wanted to go to senior homes and play and play guitar and sing to senior citizens because I did it once for my paternal grandparents when they were still alive and living in their assisted living facility and just going in there and playing music, singing, playing guitar, and 
sharing energy. It made such an impression on those on those folks, and I like playing older music, um, anything from the twenties to the sixties, and and I'll start chopping swing style with my right hand, and and then I'll sing, and the way I sing is an older style. It's kind of jazz or whatever old school music theater not that belty shit you know <laughs> that they do now like every single disney movie it's just like right i'm belting so anyway <laughs> like i do the old school stuff and right. at senior homes even though it's very funny i mean the people who are in senior homes now were you know young in the 60s isn't that a funny thing and oh yeah now our seniors came up listening to electronic dance music and disco but at least my grandparents' generation came up in the... Well, my grandparents were born in the 20s and they grew up in the 30s and came of age in the 40s. So they would like that old school, you know. And then you sing. You sing. And that's one way that I really like to serve. And now that I've enunciated it aloud to you, I've, I'm on the line to go do that. Mm-hmm. I better get better get to it he's on the line to go do such there's one guy who's a youtuber who has mentioned that he says one of the biggest things that provided value for him was talking to old people who were like 90 because he realized they would all jump in with their regrets and like i wish i did this so thus you just think about wait a minute if they're all wishing they did something and if you're not their age then you just go do the thing without concern for the result because the i wish is like the worst thing in the world at that time there's a lot they have some wisdom up in those older ages deconstruction i want to bring it up i don't know if that's the right word but removing things as opposed to adding more layers to a confused existence what can that do for someone and is it difficult well it's a really cool idea um, it's definitely not new or original. I mean, entire philosophies have been built upon this idea that you make things better by taking things away instead of adding more. Mm-hmm. And it appears in the Stoicism, the Stoic philosophy of ancient Greece and Rome, right? But mm-hmm. I, I recently had it articulated so clearly by the philosopher uh Nicholas Nassim Taleb in his book, Anti-Fragile Things That Came From Disorder, he talks about via negativa versus via positiva. Mm-hmm. And it's simply the logic of instead of prescribe me medication for my flu mm-hmm. or give me this crazy vaccine which puts the virus itself into my spinal fluid and it's like, how about I just you know, fast for a few days and not drink alcohol or not smoke. So you make things better, according to this logic, by taking things away than by adding anything. And this can be applied across domains, not just in health and medicine, but in politics. Maybe we'd do better if we had a few really good laws that were enforced than continually adding new laws and regulations and and mandates. Quality over quantity. Yeah, yeah. And then in terms of... mm, I'll just speak for myself, my character, my mm-hmm. my person. It's a, a man. I'm a I'm a real fixer upper, right? Mm-hmm. So, do I need to add anything? 
Do I need to add any beliefs? Do I need to add uh, new components of my identity? Do I, or can I, can I improve my life by taking things away? And so I've been, it's been a year, almost a year now since I finished Anti-Fragile and that book's still spinning in my consciousness. There's so many compelling ideas in there, but uh, just generally speaking, that idea of via negativa over via positiva as a way to improve my life. I, I grabbed onto that and I'm still going with it. Mm-hmm. And at the time that you asked this question, I have decided to give up uh, drinking and smoking until my 40th birthday, which is three and a half years from now. That's a lot of giving up, by the way. No, it's actually not. It's like, damn, what a relief to just have back all that time and energy and thought space expended on thinking about where am I going to get a cigarette? Where am I going to go to smoke it? How am I going to pull it out of my pocket? I'm going to put it in my mouth. Where's the lighter? Slick, smoke, do the thing. Oh, are they offended that I smell? Is this okay? Ash, ash, hope that didn't get anywhere. I've got to dust this off when it's over. Ash, 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 put it out. Now go inside. Oh, go to the bathroom, wash my hands. Oh, piece of gum. And now where was I? Dang. When I first had the impulse to smoke 25 minutes ago, because I only smoked the nice stuff that takes a long time to burn down. The good stuff. And by via negativa, I'm in my second day, and man, I have been a hot, a hot little... Hot little mess over <laughs> here. Uh, not in the sense of craving cigarettes, but gosh, I had so many interludes where I could just escape from myself or be with myself in a different way in the course of the day, and I don't have them now. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to seeing what I can develop in my life through cutting these things out. You know, interesting pointer there, but as you were describing all the steps to smoking, probably similar to drinking, it almost would be good, let's say someone else wanted to quit, just to think of all the steps they're doing for that like quick little bit of uh, feeling, they would almost get tired. They'd be like, what am I doing? Because if you actually describe it in detail, you're like, I have to go here, go do that, do the ash, okay, light it, think about that, walk walk back in. It seems like a bunch of effort. It, it sounds more effort if you say it too. That seems like uh, there's probably some sort of method. I'd get tired at some point and be like, wait a minute, I'm putting in all this effort for this short little bit. That's a good point. Definitely. Just thought of that as you were describing. Via negativo, removing things. I am with this. Uh, I like clearance. Now, I don't know if deconstruction, which I do a lot of, is exactly the same because I like to break things down into parts. But it's sort of that because I like to remove. I don't like to have the extraneous elements uh, remain to seem like they're part of the base, because they're not. You know, everything has a base to it. And uh, let's say a dentist wants to take care of a filling. They cut out, they cut out, they cut out until everything that's an issue is cleared out, and then they put a new base in. Or if I have a computer issue, here I disconnect my, I don't know, microphones, then I disconnect my uh, flash drive and all the other parts, and then I can work on defragmenting the hard drive or whatever. You want to get to the root things. I am with that part of the concept. Yeah. Now, Anti-Fragile, that sounds like a book. I have not read it. I, I'm putting it on my list to look at. I've seen it before. Are there any other books in the past five years that uh, had a impact 
or were memorable in any form or any that you want to read in the next year mm. anything that comes to mind in that category mm. or are you opposed to books are you against them as a concept should they be removed are we replacing them with audiobooks oh, books are my dearest dearest friends oh. I love books so so much Actually, if I had to choose between people and books, I'd almost certainly choose books. Boom, people, you just got roasted. I love, I love people. Mm-hmm. That's how much I love books, though. Right. Yeah. I, what a, what a, like, if you think about it, mm-hmm. it's a miracle. Mm-hmm. It's a miracle. It's like you can read the thoughts and acquire the thoughts of people across millennia. Right. Through reading. Right. And you can go to these worlds and experience these relationships and these events. And man, it's a miracle. So you asked me in the last five years what I've read, and I'm like, holy moly. Hmm. But I'll tell you, I really, in the last two years, I've been reading more, and I've, been, I've discovered these entities that I used to go to as a child called libraries. Libraries. And I don't need to buy from Amazon every single book that I ever want to read because then I end up with these huge bookshelves of things I've read once. Right. But uh, holy smokes, man. Um, there have been books where like, they're like downloads. They're like, they're like thought structures that you download or upload into your beingness, not just your head. Right. Like there's this beautiful... Uh, epic poem from India called the Mahabharata. Okay. And it's like... Have I heard of that? I don't it's, know. Uh, well, you've heard the Bhagavad Gita. Yes. Because the Bhagavad Gita is a tiny sliver of this larger epic, oh. which is this basically like ancient world hero story. It's mm. like it's like all the fantastic battles and magic, magic arcana and crazy fights between demons and gods and humans is the stuff that I'm absolutely certain without a doubt that the final final fantasy game right. ripped off right it's like it's so it's just the book is so good it's so good huh and the book i'm referring to is not a straight translation of the sanskrit poem huh. it's like this brilliant man in india made like a version of it that reads like this gorgeous english prose novel so he takes this like sacred text but makes it really readable and beautiful and and that book man that book messed me up really (laughs) in the best way yeah yeah because you got into it yeah because i got into it but it also it's like the perspective of that book was really unusual like for example Mm -hmm. they kind of show through story how divine reality works Mm-hmm. from the human perspective. And what I mean by that is, for example, there's there's a woman. They have these relationships that last over lifetimes mm-hmm. in the book because the book covers many years. Okay. There's, For example, there's this woman who loves a man, and this man has sworn himself to be celibate. Ah. He's this great, honorable warrior man. Okay. And he's like sworn. He made an oath when he was a boy that he would never... Marry and he'd never have sex. Tough oath, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But this woman falls in love with him. Uh-huh. And she kind of had a right to because she was at her Swayamvara, which is where 
in ancient India, a woman would choose her husband. Like the oh. princes would come to the house, and then the woman would put a garland wreath over the guy's neck, and then he would become her husband, right? Okay? But this well, woman, what? it was her Swayamvara. Uh-huh. Actually, it wasn't just her Swayamvara. It was her and her two sisters. So there are three of them, right? Huh. And they were all choosing their guys when this dude, this warrior, this this badass warrior comes right. in. And it was like, he's like, yo, girls, like, princesses from your family have always married the princess from our family, and you're just slighting our family because this other thing that's going on. So anyway, I'm going to kidnap you guys. Oh. So he kidnaps the ladies, and the suitors, like, pursue the guy, but the guy's such a badass. He's just like... And, like, all their... And he doesn't kill any of the princes, but basically he just humiliates them, and he steals the women. Snap. And he brings the three women home to the king, who he's the warden of. You know, he, like, watches over the king. Uh-huh. And two of the princesses agree to marry the king, like, straight off. They're like, yeah, we we're, we're happy with our new life. Like but the it. problem is, is this, this, the oldest sister, whose name uh, I will remember, uh-huh. she's like, I can't marry because I already put my wreath on a guy. Uh, it's already been wreathed. And like, and and then the the guy was like, his name was uh, Bishma, right? right. Bishma's like, oh, yeah, no problemo, no foul. Uh, go to the guy, but she goes to the guy, and the guy's like, Bishma broke my chariot. Bishma made me look like a bitch. <laughs> like, you're Bishma's property. I don't want you. Right. And she goes back. She's like, uh, Bishma, we have a problem. Like, he won't take me. Yeah. I'm kind of like... You messed it up, man. I'm kind of like, I think you need to marry me. He's like, I can't marry you. I made an oath. I, I got, can't sleep with I anybody. I got this oath. Right? He's like, I can't do that. Right. And she's like, Bishma. And she lives at the palace for three or four years, and she gets fucking so angry. But then she goes back to the guy... And she gets ridiculed again, and she comes back, and now she's like a woman obsessed. Like, now she's right. starting to, like, lose her mind. Right. Because it's not just Indian people this is happening to, like an Indian girl with the crazy parents who are, like, pressuring her to get married. Right. But, like, an Indian girl 5,000 years ago where shit was even more traditional than it is now. Right. So she's getting unhinged and completely losing her mind at this point. She's like, Bishma. Right. You ruined my life. Right. If we don't do this... Then and he was, and he was like, it was like hard for him because he actually loved her very much, uh-huh. right? And this is the tragedy of it. He's like, he loved her. She clearly loves him, and she's in a tough spot. And he's kind of to blame. People don't take right? oaths. This is what oaths do. So here's what happens: is she goes through India looking for someone who can kill Bhishma. Oh, okay. And. And she goes to these palaces and she's like getting older and they're like, hey, princess, what's up? She's like, I'm looking for a champion. And they're like, all right, well, I'll hook you up. She's like, I need you to kill Bhishma. They're like, get away from me. Yeah, I'm not messing with that guy. <laughs> that guy is dangerous. Yeah, so so finally at the last place she goes to, she tries to like throw the wreath on the guy and he like runs. Right. And, and, and she's like, oh, my God. So... It's kind of like a marriage turned upside down, you know? She was going to put a, the wreath on her on her husband. Right. But now she's trying to wreath the man who will kill the man who ruined her life, you right. know? It's like and she and then she just goes dark and and she's she climbs up the holiest mountain in the Himalayas, you know, Mount Kailash. 
Kailas. And Mount she Kailas and that's people. Shiva's that's Lord Shiva's mountain. Oh. And she goes to the top and she all she's just obsessed, like Bhishma has to die, Bhishma has to die, die. That's die. a motivator. Die, die. <laughs> right? Final Fantasy. So she gets to the top of the mountain and she's just praying and Shiva appears. Oh. And he's like, Wow, you did perfect, you know, meditation, like I had to come. Like <laughs> And you don't even need to tell me what your what your boon is. Like I already know. Right. And she's like, "Give me someone who will kill Bishma." Right. And he's like, "Oh no, my dear, you will kill Bishma yourself." Oh snap! It's always a twist. Yeah. And she's like, "But how is it possible? I'm just a woman." He's like, "Just light a fire. Light yourself on fire. We'll set up a special dispensation for you, so you don't need to go into like the queue to reincarnate. You're just gonna reincarnate right away mm-hmm. into a life." That's going to enable you to carry out your uh, your wish. Right. And that's what happens. Oh. She gets married into the house of the king, who was the last king she visited as her old self. Oh, my And God. now the throne hall has, like, the wreath on the wall. Mm-hmm. She's born into this house, but as a princess. Mm. But she has this creepy voice of someone else. And the king's like, I feel like I heard that voice before. Coming I know out of my you. Daughter. I know and like you. one day when the daughter is like seven, she goes to the throne room for the first time. She puts on the wreath and the father's like, hey, honey, take that off. And she's like, I was meant to wear this wreath. Right. I will be the one to kill Bhishma. And like the the king starts to get creeped out. He's like, OK, whoa, there's something kind of creepy going on with my daughter. And he sends her away. Mm. Other thing happens. She's in the woods, and she helps this mystical creature get out of a hunter's trap, and it grants her a wish, which is to be a boy. So she becomes a boy, a warrior, and then she gets to participate in the giant war. At the end mm-hmm. of the story, the war that begins with the Bhagavad Gita when Arjuna and Krishna are in the chariot. Anyway, at the very end, this young warrior is there with his arrows, and he's there... And then, like, he turns into the old, the lady that he was in the past life, and Bhishma sees her and is just like, oh, my God. And he pulls his, you know, shirt open, and, like, the arrow goes in. Bam! Huh. So, anyway, long story short is... Oh, man, I got so far away from the microphone arrow, just now. Oh, man, I got so far away. You just, won't be able to hear anything. No, I think All right. So... By what, the way, consider it. That's called guest that knows audio. Okay. Um, the Mahabharata is full of stories like this, which give the reader or basically enable your imagination to host uh, these stories that cross multiple lifetimes, multiple dimensions, mm-hmm. uh, different orders of existence and reality, and to just get like this kind of this portrait of the universe that's greatly expanded from what our day-to-day human life is Mm -hmm. and i can't articulate right now why that meant so much to me but it seems to have had like a really life-changing effect on how i view time how i view my life and the context in which my life may or may not be unfolding has become like so much more mysterious and Full of potential, more fascinating because I read this book, the Ma- Mahabharata, and English rendering by Ramesh Menon. Mm. Um, so that's just one book, and then this other book I read. Holy shit! Holy 
It's called The Brothers Karamazov by the Russian novelist Dostoevsky. Famous. Yeah. Holy smokes. I just read that one this past year. That one. I was shocked. Like, seems like it was written yesterday, you know? Huh. I think he's the greatest novelist there is. I think he's the greatest one. I haven't read all novelists, granted, right. but... You get a strong feeling. I feel like Dostoevsky is the greatest. I think he might be the greatest. What is it about his work? Because he, like, he takes you inside these people, and he he creates these characters that host these struggles between, like, huge forces on big questions, you know, like... And then he sets them up against each other, and like, then you explore the existence or the non-existence of God, or, or you explore the question like, how is a person to behave in a world where God doesn't exist? What keeps them from just you know murdering someone and having no uh, that is know, a question consequences to pay for it? I've seen that and, question brought up. Like, if you don't have some sort of religion or uh, system to guide you into good nature why would you keep doing it mm -hmm. unless you just do it uh -huh. yeah yeah there's a man the intellectual dark web is full of these kinds of discussions right now i feel like there's no n use even trying to wade into it and someone should just look up sam harris and jordan peterson debate or shout outs to sam harris neuroscientist has this podcast waking up with sam harris and then Jordan Peterson has his, I think, just Jordan Peterson podcast. I don't know what it's called. But uh, he's not a neuroscientist. He's a something. Clinical psychologist. Clinical psychologist. Uh, great uh, speaker. The good news is this, the top speakers slash podcasters slash other individuals we have are very discerning. They're able to pinpoint logical arguments really well. It's nice to follow. Even if you don't agree with the argument, it's nice to follow an argument that's well coordinated. Had to bring that up there. Do you? Oh, do you also li listen to any other podcasts and/or do you consume any media regularly? Any category of media, like a subreddit of Reddit or like mm. a TV show? Or I haven't explored Reddit yet. Everyone's always talking about Reddit and subreddits. I don't even know what it means. Uh, but I'm, I, I'll find out sometime. Let me toss in a quick summary right here. So there's a lot of subreddits like uh, Gary, who's been on the episode, the show before, goes to reddit.com slash r slash soccer and slash MLS. So people talk about soccer there and Major League Soccer. It's basically like a forum. There's also like slash r slash Los Angeles, which is like just local people from Los Angeles usually talking about maybe a Dodgers game or like some freeway traffic jam. And then there's slash uh, news. So there's like a bunch of, they're basically sub forums. But these almonds that I'm chewing on, are they very old, Armin? Tell well, me the truth. So these almonds that I brought that Alan is enjoying and I like too, uh, they're not old. Let me think. No, they're like, uh, no, old would be old. Uh, these are like weak. I, to me, an old almond is like, uh, how long does it take for an almond to get old? Like months? They're just a few of these guys that were like little embalmed corpses. <laughs> Man, I must have dried them. Now, by the way, soaking almonds slash walnuts, great idea. Uh, I didn't do that in this case. But if they're old, you know what stinks sometimes with almonds? 
there'll be like out of a hundred there'll be like one that just tastes like like you're eating bacteria that happens mm. sometimes in almond sets just tossing that in there did you know that once all almonds were lethally toxic really yeah i did not it would kill you to eat what ha- what uh how did we uh what how are we now eating them casually because the native americans figured out that one out of a hundred was, oh. was not lethally poisonous oh snap and then they then they planted that one in the ground that's cool and then the next tree that grew from that tree had two out of a hundred almonds that were not lethally poisonous so they were still along those lines but yeah they bred and it so out slowly but surely yeah. what the heck crazy right yeah it's yeah. almost like we were not meant to eat them yeah. But we used our wonderful synthetic evolution to correct for that. Yeah. Did not know that. Almonds are great. I ranked them pecans first and then, uh, I guess, uh, walnuts and then peanuts. Almonds are good. The bottom is cashews, but now I like cashews. They're all great. I like cashews a lot, too. Yeah? Yeah. They're really good. Pricing-wise, pecans are at the top, then cashews, and then it's peanuts are at the bottom. Walnuts and almonds are sort of tied, but... Brazil nuts are kind of expensive. Oh, those ones too. I forgot about mm-hmm. those. Those have some great value. People have mentioned that. Mm-hmm. I forgot what the value is, but like you eat three a day, you're in good shape. Mm-hmm. I haven't eaten them in a long time. Yeah. They're good. Now, the category I want to throw in one, fear. What is, do you have large fears? Um, how is fear transcribed? Wrong word completely into your existence i like using the wrong word sometimes or has how has it been part of it um what is your view of fear that what's my view of fear mm-hmm. how does it, how has it impacted you <coughs> do you have large ones uh is it a non-issue yeah yeah i've been impacted by fear my entire life mm-hmm I think just about everyone has. That's a lot. And hmm. one fear I always had was of uh, displeasing my mom. Mm-hmm. I think this is common, by the way, parent related. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I've been walking that one off for a long time, but especially in my relationship with my wife. Mm-hmm. One of the side effects is a as a boy who's in charge of his mother's emotions mm-hmm. and afraid of displeasing her, mm-hmm. one of the side effects, at least how it played out in my life, is that uh, you learn how to not say what is true for you. Boom. You learn how to dissemble and manipulate and do anything that's necessary just to placate and calm uh, at first, your mom, but then as you grow up, you know, any woman that you're involved with, especially romantically. Mm-hmm. So I'll, that's one way that fear has played out in my life is it was very, very, very difficult for me to have any kind of healthy, uh, intimate relations with women because I was so incapable of speaking the truth and was almost always lying to myself and to her about how I felt, what I was feeling and thinking. And this would result in me just kind of like 
building up all this rage and resentment and then wanting to break away and anyway snap fear is uh that's one of the ways that i've been impacted most by fear and then the other way is uh i fear oftentimes that i'm not doing my life as well as i could be mm-hmm. and i'm 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 missing certain opportunities or i'm focusing on the wrong things and it's hard to know which are the wrong things and which are the right things i i'm afraid that i've been too indulgent with myself in pursuing my passions and i fear that maybe i made the wrong decisions about you know what i would choose to pursue instead of just having the non-thinking grit to just get down to work it's something that i basically liked and just get after it I fear that I've thought too so, too much. I fear that I've wasted opportunities. I fear that I've grown old. I fear that my strength is abated, my hairline's disappearing, my teeth grow yellower by the year. I fear, um, I guess, the only thing that's been really interesting through life experience is like, I'm not so afraid of death anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's been a really interesting thing and i might have to reassess that after this podcast is over and reflect on myself if it's really true that i don't fear death i must certainly be living in certain domains of my life as though i feared death because what is the fear of failure right it's connected to mm-hmm the worry that it links to some form of death. Mm-hmm. This is a one key point I take from that is the original one. I I notice a lot of fears is are related to a parent or both. It's drilled in at some point. There is a lack of um, connectional understanding from one parent or both, and then that turns into I have to adjust myself to my parents so I can't be my full self, which is terrible, by the way. That is the root of all terrible. <laughs> and uh, because when you have to adjust yourself, you almost like, why am I here? Why didn't I have John be here? John wouldn't have to adjust Yeah, but himself. think of how great it was when we were kids, man. It's like right. all we needed to do is adjust ourselves a little bit. Right. And we could go on getting love and support and acceptance from our parents. Right. Like that was our, our lifeblood. Right. We had to do it, man. Fucking kids are really, really savvy survivalists. Right. They do whatever they need to do. We're so adaptive. I was reading about that yesterday, how the brain is sort of like a Bayesian inference machine that takes what it's given, processes really well what to do, and rolls. And when we're a kid, we use it fully, people as they age they start to put limitations on this part and this part and this part so they're not as good at adapting they become more hardened but when they're youth they are rolling with ability to adapt that's what we're highly built for if one part of our brain is cut off uh the other parts make up for it if audio is not good visual fills in in some form can sometimes fill in for audio either so that and uh, we adapt, but then the uh, the negative of that adapting is that adapting to someone who doesn't understand us 
is we get really good at responding uh, in a way that's not us to people who don't understand us. And then later on, we're still responding that way, even when the person might understand us some more. And then that affects relationships, like you said. And then the other one you're mentioning about of the, uh, the opportunity thing, one person I listened to, he mentioned that, you know, for whatever you what whatever path you chose, you'll never know how it would have turned out the other way. You know, we have ideas like, if I had done this thing, maybe it would have been better. But maybe if you did that, somebody would have uh, cheated you after a week and you weren't prepared for it. Or you would have uh, gone into a more risky dynamic and got some sort of health condition. We we never take that into account. When there's like an opportunity we miss, we're like, ah, I could have gotten that big payout or whatever, not knowing that also maybe two weeks later you would have been murdered by a mafia person. I have no idea. Just throwing out examples here. So we should always take into account there's a balance to what we could have done. Yeah. Yeah, that's the truth. It's sort of like... Oh, here's something from Anti-Fragile, the Taleb book. Wonderful. Is uh, absence of evidence is not the same thing as evidence of absence. Right. Meaning, for example, Mm -hmm. let's say that we have policemen regularly patrolling the streets of the city. Mm Mm-hmm. And we also notice that there's no crime. Right. A lot of people be like, we're over-policed here. There is no crime. There's no need to have a policeman. Not understanding that the absence of crime is not the same thing as... can't. The absence of crime can't be taken as evidence that there is no crime. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't think I articulated that very well. Like, uh, the thinking, the, uh, police not seeing crime doesn't mean that crime is not happen. Okay, one sec. The absence. You try again. Absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. So in that one, absence of evidence, if you don't have uh, proof of something... That doesn't mean you have that you've proved that there's nothing. Yeah, what you said. If like if you don't have evidence of something, yeah, that isn't the same thing. Like just because you don't have evidence that something's there, you don't have. You can't make a case that it's not there. Right. That. By the way, I have to throw in this because you just reminded me of this story. You know the the town that got burned in the Northern California fire. Paradise. Uh huh. The police are still slightly patrolling it. I read yesterday. But there's nothing to patrol, so it's actually exactly what you just described. There's no crime. There's nothing actually, but there's no crime also. So they're basically just going around and uh, doing like rounds. Uh, it's very empty there. I had to toss that in because it's almost connected exactly with what you just described, mm. except that there's nothing. Um, but yes, that point. Do you feel that I'm not listening to you, Armin? No. I mean, what do you mean? Do you feel that we're not actually, like, conversing, but that we're just taking turns pontificating? 
Um, I mean, I didn't think about it until it was brought up just now. I feel like you're listening uh, to me. Pun- pontificating and or ideating is sharing. What are your thoughts on this? Hmm. Well, I just noticed because I have such a tendency to, if given a microphone and a stage, I'll just start going, you know? To but I feel like, I feel like these podcast thingies get even better as people, it's a dance, not a solo, you know what I mean? I do know what you mean, and more typically, yes. But to me, gold is when each person is their energy. That's the... Sometimes there's that back and forth that does seem more like proper, and this is a good communication. But to me, it's sort of like limited. Like, for example, when you were describing the story from the book connected to or part of the Bhagavad Gita, that was dramatic and full of life. That's cool. That's the whole thing. I'm more of a comedian style than improv style. Not saying the joke stuff, but I'm saying comedians are like a person and improv is like four people where it's like continuous kind of agreeing and something. I'm more the each person does their full self. Mm. That's what I lean more towards. Not saying it's better, but I would I'm go, go towards that. I'm with it. Yeah. So you're saying that you don't want to dance with me? Dancing is good too, but I don't generally lean as much in that direction. I have tried improv a few times and it's off for me because it's like I always want to like jab at it and you're not supposed to jab. You're supposed to agree and work to build something. There's just a side point. Have you, have you struggled in your life to connect with people, Armin? I mean, sort of, in some ways, um, in some typical ways. So, yes, but not in recent times with individuals who I mesh more with. Hmm. But, yes, in the past, that was more of a huge issue as you were. Why was it a huge issue? Uh, because. How did it show up? Ye- it would show up in the way that uh, I wouldn't have extended communications with a person where it didn't break down at some point. Hmm. It just couldn't. Well, would, what kind of behavior would you elicit? Would people get upset with you? Or yeah, bored? agitated or hmm. scared or hmm. sometimes with strangers more so scared, but like agitated or he's too much, you know, hmm. me, meaning me. Thing. Yeah. Why? What was it that you'd say things that were too honest or too on the nose, or did you? Well, there was were some you of too that. Playful, or what? What? What do you think it was? Uh, yeah. So uh, too honest, which is repulsive to many people because it's just scary, and then uh, too, too uh, just right there, too right there. It's 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 a lot for most people. Mm. They like to keep a distance because <laughs> yeah. They want this uh, space. Yeah, that's true. But it's not like the space of like, you know, introverts giving each other space in a pause when they talk. That's a nice space, but more like a, uh, I'm not really comfortable with myself. So if you get too close, it'll remind me who I am kind of space. Mm, it's like, hey, man, I spent a lot of time and energy putting right. this shell together <laughs> and you're messing with it. Yeah, yeah. 
Do you see what I built here? I did this whole thing, and then now you're just walking through these layers of onion that I placed. That's messed up. I have to get another onion now. Mm. Yeah, you get it. Like, and and this wouldn't happen in those uh, discussions. It would. It wouldn't be like this where I get what you're saying. You get what I'm saying. That didn't happen much. What does self love mean to you? Self love is. Uh, do, oh, I could break it down to do you do the thing that fits you or are you letting an outside force or your thought of an outside even an alternate personality yourself or an outside force uh, stop you from doing it hmm. if you don't, if you let the outside force stop you, then you don't have enough self-love to hmm. continue. What do you think about it? Oh man, I've been I've been thinking about it a lot lately because mm-hmm. I realize that's been the one that's been the sticking point is I just uh I disliked myself so much and and one of the upsides of that was it drove me to uh learn and figure out at the time I thought I had to sort of become something different or become an, my 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 goal my ideal of what I was to become like changed over the years but from pretty much uninterrupted from 24 to 34 mm-hmm. I was trying to become something else and uh, it, it had a huge educational benefit and in, in terms of breadth of experience and knowledge and mm-hmm. uh, it was really valuable but now I'm realizing oh man I uh, I wouldn't have gone so far and wide if if I had uh, loved myself at home not right. always trying to get somewhere or run off somewhere become somebody or appropriate some aspect of some identity and and uh, it's been a real process my wife's been helping me with it actually because she's she's a very very uh man she's a she's an out of this world somatic psychotherapist and i i hope you get her on the show one of these days she's that would be amazing she's amazing um but i have to jump in here i like alan for these various reasons that would counter his dislike of himself for years alan is very present uh creative uh connectional and the kind of people I like uh, out there has is full, full on to things. He is in, like, example with that story. He, you felt like I'm, I was Indian for 12 minutes, and or you know, in the story, I just want to include those four things. There, back to you. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just to finish that thought, I, I was. Uh, it's sweet. It's really neat. It's been really neat learning how to do that, how to, how to love myself. And um, it's these things for most of us, especially in our society, it's so head-based, right? So that's like everyone has a, the concept in mind, but uh, the experience of it mm-hmm. is what I'm really interested in because I'm like, okay, so how can we start to facilitate experiences in ways that go deeper than just head knowledge and workshop handbooks and 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 
10 point lists and, and <laughs> shit you know it's like we're we're talking about we're good. talking about having an experience of ourselves in our body like with our sensations mm -hmm. that's utterly different from what we experience most of the rest of our waking life i mean how do we go there and i i'm sort of i have some clues right like breath and movement and you know things that people do like yoga or exercise like these are start jumping off points mm -hmm. um time spent in nature not just willy-nilly you know walking through nature with your phone but actually like engaging in a way where you started to... anyway there are all these like elements and i'm attempting to piece it together right now in a in a something like a book form uh and I'm trying to figure out how I can help people not have to spend one fiftieth of the time or money that I did trying to get home to myself. Hmm. Like what if what if we could all do it? Yeah. I don't think we all can do it. Right. But, but theoretically, we can. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just figuring that out right now. This is like my, my creative project in the morning before I hit the the the, the work, you know. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I'm trying to get these ideas down and figure it out. When you go through a process, especially for an extended period of time, now after the fact, you're thinking, could I translate the important parts of this that changed my path that were not the whole 10 years, but maybe these points along the way how could i translate them to Minnie allen who's there right now yeah that's actually a really good framework for thinking about it. it's like right. like well, not even Minnie allen you know it's just like just go back to 25 year old allen right that dude who had so much uh who hadn't done anything yet and was really embarrassed about it but had this kind of like outsized puffed up confidence and mm -hmm. it's really good heart so much energy so much potential um and no belief in himself really so it's like what okay so what i'll go to him okay thank you for that i think i'm gonna do that tomorrow morning yeah i'm gonna go work with him directly that's some super duper hmm. thank you so appreciate that you know it i think about little armin sometimes Little Armin or 25-year-old Armin? Uh, I usually think more about Little Armin, like 8-year-old. Oh, man. What what do you talk about? Like, how would you talk about with Little Armin? Well, so Little Guy, the funny thing is, I am very similar. I mean, I, I don't know if it's that funny, but I am very similar to 8-year-old me, except for the fact that 8-year-old me thought all the other people got what I was saying. And now, many years later, I realized most have no clue what I'm saying still today, but they didn't get it back then, but it didn't matter. So at that time, I was thinking, of course they get what I'm saying. I'm eight. They're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. Now I realize they weren't going to get it when, from when I was eight. They don't get it now when I'm the. They weren't going to hear what I was saying. So if you had told me that, and if somebody could have gotten that message through to me when I was eight, I would have had a very different existence. Why do you think <coughs> if eight-year-old Armin asked you uh -huh. why why wouldn't they understand me 
what would you respond with? You, I mean, I, I'd say you have a, how would I describe it to it? Well, he'd get it too. I don't even have to simplify it. I'd say you have a more developed brain. You process critical thinking at a higher level. They don't. Good luck. That's it. <laughs> he, he would just roll. He'd be like, oh, really? This isn't going to change? No, no, no. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, uh, it's still going to be that way. Uh, Do you so think that's actually what it was, though, at eight? Yeah, yeah, it's even five, like, I mean. I, criti- was it critical thinking, really? Like frontal cortex stuff? Yeah, yeah. I think you just have a really unusual way of seeing things. I will go with that, too, to make myself more relatable. Um. <laughs> 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 hey, man, well, that wasn't actually no, a no, gambit to try to, like, limit you or keep you down. No, 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 so no. basically what you're saying is you're, like, a science mathematical genius? no. I don't want to say genius because that term, um, it, it, it never. Some terms never come across well, and I, I you can't. They just. I don't know why the word even, the word almost is unusable. But, uh, just a broader thinking pattern than is often the case. So uh, that meant. That, you know, let's say someone could see the whole country with their view and another person could only see the local street. Well, the person that sees the whole country probably shouldn't take countrywide planning ideas from the person who can only see the local street, something like that. So you can see countrywide? I have a broad, broad view. I like to connect a lot of topics and I have a broad view of what is happening uh, whereas many people have a more specific, uh, more narrow view. They're very good at the narrow view, but it's narrower. So it wouldn't make sense for me to be doing what I was doing when I was little, which was I'd be taking my advice or cues from the person who had a very narrow view. I'm seeing more than them, but I'm still listening to them. Mm-hmm. Very funny thing to do. Uh, I don't do that anymore. It's the most normal thing. Right. We're all just trying to be loved. <laughs> right, right. You think like, oh, okay, we'll work together. They probably have great ideas too. It should work out well. Uh, right, right. You want to connect. You want to connect. When you're 8, 10, 12, you're like, okay. It doesn't seem like they understand what I'm saying, but let's connect. You know, let's figure this out. Uh, but it's not really the case. So that's what I tell the little guy. It's good to understand our little selves in some form and what we would say or how we would uh, give them a handbook. Here's the handbook. Mm. Yours, by the way, I have sensed some percentage of what you're describing because I did know of you a couple to to a few years back, I can say, and there was a bit, let's say some percentage more of what you're describing. Maybe percentage more of what? Of the 25-year-old you. Mm. Some remnants were still there a couple of years ago. Now they're all gone. Okay. <laughs> now you're just the most boring man on the planet. Yeah. Self-described. Yes. <laughs> it's my dream. Right. Uh, be the most boring man on the planet. He'll never fool me. Okay. But yes, there was some percentage that and I, I saw what you were describing, which was a bit more. I'm more of a fan of it, uh, oddly enough. But I get what you're saying. A bit more... Uh, what would a, a regular person would say, like all over the place or more out there, high energy towards things that don't seem as 
like just it's just a pragmatic uh, but i'm a fan of it so i can't talk poorly about it that's my stuff uh, to me that's life that's like energy that's the good stuff the stuff that's so pragma pragmatic and organized like artificial intelligence is taking care of that first is the best way i would say it it's taking care of all the real routine stuff real quickly like transportation will be one field and then uh, you know clerks and different the last thing that'll be artificial intelligence is the stuff that uh along the lines of how i see what you may have been in the you know five years ago eight years ago more of that like you know high passion energy towards a creative idea or connecting concepts that's the last thing artificial intelligence would touch yeah or maybe we'll just all get taken out by an emp and <laughs> then there will be no ai that too it'll just be like the year 800 ad again mm-hmm and uh yeah man that's technology i i haven't been following the futurists and i'd never read uh the follow-up book to sapiens which is called homo, homo deus, deus. <laughs> have you read homo deus i read some chapters of it i was going to talk about it on this podcast i talked about two chapters yeah this whole proposition that we're actually evolving ourselves into this kind of technological uh human and that we're actually evolving into a new species of human mm -hmm. it's a i totally believe it and i totally believe that it's um it's a malign and dark a phenomenon and insofar as we human homo sapiens are concerned you know mm -hmm. um i may we'll talk about that in another podcast because i'm so sleepy right now no, that makes sense by the way i want to give some context real quick we are in a wonderful studio of sorts and it's very comfortable because with people that are cool you can be comfortable and uh shout outs to alan uh, for this context so what i will say is on this episode 191 i have been glad to have you on here this is a homage to that guy named armin podcast and uh glad for the hospitality as well dude thank you for bringing me on the show it, it was a pleasure and uh, hope to come on again someday that would be great and we are out